I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter number 11, if you would. Very familiar chapter in the scriptures, right? We call it the faith chapter or the hall of faith. And, and uh, there's a lot that, man, we can uh, talk about from Hebrews chapter number 11. If you've heard one message from the faith chapter, you've heard many messages, I'm sure. And uh, I've heard even for, through my time as a college student right here, and then even uh, for my time sitting in chapels as an instructor, I remember hearing many messages from this chapter. But I want you to look at verse number 30. We're going to read verse 30 down to verse number 40. And uh, these are some of the, what we might call the lesser known individuals uh, in the faith chapter, and yet uh, a very significant truth that comes out from these verses. And so look at Hebrews 11, verse number 30. The Bible says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection." And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Let's pray together. Father, I pray now that you would help these verses, your truth, to be a blessing in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help me to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you on the simple topic of faith wins. You know, faith always wins. And the reason why faith always wins is because God always wins. And when we come to the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter number 11, we see that this entire portion of Scripture is dedicated to illustrating this simple truth that faith wins, that faith brings the victory. We see at the beginning of chapter 11, we see individuals like Abel. And Abel had a faith that worshipped God. And the Bible says that God had respect unto Abel and unto his sacrifice. And, and we see that he was accepted because of his faith. We see that Enoch had a faith that walked with God. The Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. And then we see Noah mentioned in this chapter, and Noah had a faith that worked for God. We see that he toiled and labored and made an ark, and many people ridiculed him and never listened and received his message, but he was faithful, and the ark became a type of salvation, and he was delivered from the global flood. We see that Abraham had a faith that went with God. 
God said, get you out uh, of thy country from thy kindred unto a place where I will show thee. And yet we see that Abraham's response was one of faith. He said, God, I will go wherever you lead me to go. We see that Moses is mentioned and Moses had a faith that warred for God. He stood on behalf of God's chosen people, the Israelites, before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And through him, a God wrought a victory and he did spiritual battle for the Lord. But yet, we could look at all of those and we could say, wow, what awesome uh, illustrations of faith and what awesome lessons in our faith we can glean. But I want you to, as we continue and as we see this final portion of the chapter, I want you to see with me five victories that faith can win in our lives if we will live by it because faith always wins. I want you to see in verse number 30 we see this simple truth that faith wins over impossibility. The Bible says in verse number 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. Uh, you see, when man does something great, he starts with the difficult. But when God does something great, he starts with the impossible. How many of you are saved this morning and thankful for it? That is faith winning over the impossible. Do we not realize that without God, without faith, it is impossible to be saved? It is impossible to know God. And yet, uh, we see in the Christian life, the Bible tells us in this very chapter that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And, And we've heard it many times, but man's extremity is God's opportunity. And when you look at the story of Jericho, we don't have to dive into it in detail. I suppose you would know the story already, but uh, suffice to say that Jericho was an utterly impossible city to overthrow from a human standpoint. How many of you would agree with me on that? It was walled. It was great. It was, uh, it was formidable. And from a human standpoint, from a military standpoint, it was humanly impossible. Yet, but yet we see that God brought the victory, and it was for one reason, because of faith. And it was not by man's devices. The Bible says here in verse number 30 that uh, uh, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Certainly, man's logic would have said this is absurd, this is ridiculous. Why are we just walking around the city? But we see that faith always wins. God's ways are not our ways, but if we'll follow God in faith, He will win. It was a clear declaration of God's power upon His people. And what an awesome illustration of trusting God by faith the Israelites were as they saw the walls of Jericho falling down. But there's a second part to this, and it's mentioned right here in verse number 31, and that's the harlot Rahab. The Bible says in verse number 31, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. Understand this, Jericho and all the inhabitants of it were marked for destruction by God. And we see that in the midst of that, Rahab, who was not a godly woman, but yet she was delivered, she was saved. And 
It was only because of her faith. Now, as many times we would say, oh yeah, she hid the spies, but it was not uh, hiding the spies that brought her to uh, salvation or to saving faith. That was just merely the evidence of her saving faith. And she had a faith that was in the Lord. In Joshua chapter 2, verse number 8, the Bible says, And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, that would be the spies, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you, and ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, and whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man, watch this, because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. And so uh, we see that faith wins over impossibility. In other words, uh, humanly speaking, Jericho could not have been overthrown. Humanly speaking, uh, the harlot Rahab would have uh, been the least liking candidate for deliverance, but it was because of her faith. And the point is that it doesn't matter how hard or hopeless a person or a place or an obstacle may seem. Faith wins over the impossible. It might be in the case of Rahab where you might have somebody maybe a member of your own family, maybe a mom or dad who's not saved. And you might say, it's impossible. They'll never get saved. Faith wins over that impossibility. You need to trust God. God can save them. You might have an obstacle. It might be paying your school bill. It might be maybe going back to a difficult home situation this summer. It might be any number of things. It might be a challenge that is before you, an adversity that you may face. But faith will win over the impossible if we will live and follow God by faith. Notice this secondly. Faith wins not only over the impossible, but faith wins over imperfection. Now look with me in Hebrews chapter number 11 and look at verse number 32. Because as we move on here, we begin to see a list. And it's sort of a, a quick list of individuals that we would be familiar with in the scriptures. But notice what the Bible says, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson uh, and, and of Jephthah, David and Samuel and of the prophets. And yet the point is this, when you look at these men's lives, we see that all of them were not perfect, but yet God used them in an amazing way. It does not matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your skill sets are or what your talent is or what the lack thereof may be. God can work through the life of anyone who will listen to him and who will surrender their life to his will. Gideon, we, we, we perhaps know the story of Gideon. He was hiding from the Midianites when uh, he was uh, given the message that he was going to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Midianites. And, and uh, uh, God addressed him as thou mighty man of valor. But yet uh, we see that Gideon was a picture of faith frightened. He was struggling with maybe yielding and surrendering to God's cause and to God's will for his life. And thank God that he did. And through faith, there was a victory. We see uh, Barak. Barak was a picture of faith faltered. We see in uh, uh, Judges chapter 4 and verse number 8, Barak said unto her, that is Deborah, he said, if thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. 
You see, Barak won a resounding victory over Sisera, who was the captain of the army of Jabin, king of Canaan. But before he did that, he leaned on Deborah. He said, hey, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I will not go. He was looking more to a person more than the Lord. He, he didn't have to lean on Deborah in that way. He was a faltering in his faith a little bit. He was a little too dependent on someone else's faith. And you might have a mom or a dad, or you might have an instructor here at school, or you might have somebody that you look up to, and yet that's good. And God has designed it that way to help you and encourage you and nurture you along your spiritual journey. But the point is, your faith has to be your faith. You can't ride the spiritual wave of somebody else. Your faith cannot rest on your pastor or on your parents or on somebody else in your life. You have to come to the place where you say, I'm going to take a stand for God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do His will no matter what. And yet God can give a victory and God can do great things even in spite of imperfections. We're all imperfect. But God can do wonderful things through your life by His grace and through faith. We see Samson is a picture of faith forfeited. He let his lusts lead him away, and there were he, he did great things. We read in the scriptures about Samson. It's kind of a perplexing passage of scripture, but yet we find that Samson did win some victories for the Lord, but how many more victories could he have won if he had not let his fleshly appetites lead him? He dealt with the consequences of those as well, did he not? But yet we see in the very end of his life, he was willing to even give his life so that God could be victorious over his enemies. We see that faith wins over imperfections. Jephthah was faith followed. Jephthah uh, uh, was uh, the son of a harlot. He was cast out by the sons of his father, his half-brothers. Eventually, they would come back to him and they would ask him to deliver Israel from the Ammonites. You can read all about it in Judges chapter number 11, but... Simply put, he makes a vow to the Lord and uh, he says that if God would give him the victory, he would sacrifice the first thing that comes from his tent door to greet him. And this ends up being his daughter, his beloved daughter. And yet in that moment, he had a choice. He could have said, I'm going to rescind on this vow that I gave to the Lord or I'm going to follow through on this thing. And he kept his vow. He followed it. He didn't sacrifice her, but he gave her to the Lord. She was consecrated unto him, never married. The Bible says in Judges eleven thirty nine, 39, it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father and did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed. And she knew no man. And it was a custom in Israel. So we see that uh, these men were not perfect, but yet they won victories and they saw God use them in great ways. Why? Because of their faith. And there might be somebody here who is well aware of the imperfections in your life. And sometimes the devil wants to discourage you and, and the devil wants to distract you and the devil wants to get you to believe the lie that you can't serve God or you can't do great things with, uh, uh, in the ministry or you can't uh, uh, see God do something wonderful in your life because of some of these things in your past or maybe because of some of the things that you struggle with right now. But faith always wins and faith wins over Imperfection, where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. We see that faith wins over impossibility. Faith wins over imperfection. Notice thirdly, faith wins over intimidation. Notice in verse number 33, the Bible says, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, 
But then this, verse number 34, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, wax fouling and fight, turn to flight the armies of the aliens. And then we see the next verse, verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. But watch this. If we stopped right there, we would say, that's awesome. Women receiving their dead raised to life again? But then we see a transition. Look at the second part of verse number 35. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. You see, in verse 35, we see this transition from miracles to martyrdom. Everyone wishes for the faith that leads to miracles. No one wishes for the faith that leads to martyrdom. But yet we see that in some cases, God did the miraculous, but in other cases, God didn't necessarily miraculously deliver somebody out of the difficulties that they faced, out of the persecution that they faced. But through faith, they won the victory. They were faithful unto the very end, and they stayed true to their God. They faced intimidation, and their faith was not shaken. I wonder how many of us, in the face of a cultural intimidation, would begin to consider compromising what we believe and what the Bible says. I recently heard on a news radio program up in the Seattle area, uh, they were talking about some legislation that was being pushed here in the state of California that would make the views just the views of traditional marriage, illegal, right? That battle's been going on for a long time, but if that really comes and they start enforcing laws such as that in the future, what will you and I do? How will we respond? That's intimidation, is it not? Some might be intimidated into trying to sort of uh, throttle back and maybe not uh, be strong in our biblical convictions, but I'm simply saying this. The world wants to intimidate you. The devil wants to intimidate you. Some of you are being intimidated maybe not to come back next year, maybe not to go into the ministry. The devil would love to take you out of the game, so to speak, in serving God, but faith wins over intimidation. Not only that, fourthly, we see that faith wins over injury. As we continue to read in verse number 37. Notice what the Bible says here. It says they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. You know what asunder means? It means in half. As Dr. R would say so often times, I recall, that's a difficult injury to come back from, right? I mean, <laughs> that's a hard one to come back from. They were sawn asunder. They had cruel trials and cruel mockings of scourgings, yea, moreover, in bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. You see, these people are the real heroes of faith, and we don't even know their names. God doesn't record their names, but God gives a stunning testimony of them. And notice what it says here in the beginning of verse number 38, of whom the world was not worthy. These people were so dear to the Lord, and moreover, they had such faith in God. They were used to wrought victories uh, uh, for the Lord because of their faith, and he says the world was not even worthy of these people. And yet even in spite of the threat of injury, even despite uh, the, uh, uh, the, the injury itself to these people, simply because of their faith in many cases... We see that faith won. God won. They received 
uh, uh, some wonderful blessings and they received crowns that they will cast at Jesus' feet because of their faith. Several years ago, I was uh, living in the Philippines at that time, serving as a missionary. We'd come back to the States to visit family for just a couple of weeks, two or three weeks. My wife's family lived in an area not too far from Monterey, California, and wherever we would go there, we would go to Monterey. So we took a day to go to the beach while we were there. It was summertime, and we went to the beach. We went to Marina State Beach right there in Monterey, and we uh, went to the beach. We found our place, and, and, and there was some surfers out in the water uh, surfing, and and one of the guys came in, and his, uh, uh, his uh, group was set up just a few yards down the beach from where we were, and as uh, he came out of the water, he kind of set his surfboard down. He kind of unzipped his uh, wetsuit a little bit, and he unpeeled it down to his waist. And as soon as he did that, I noticed on his back a huge scar. I mean, it was a half-circle scar. I mean, immediately I knew exactly what that was. That was a shark bite. And not a small shark bite. I mean, it was from his shoulder down to his waistline. It was, it was, it was huge. Well, I wanted to go up and ask him, hey, is that a shark bite? I felt like that would be a dumb question, right? And I figured, you know, maybe a lot of people ask him about his scar. And, and I was a little bit embarrassed, so I didn't do that. I, but I, I pointed out to my wife. I said, see that guy? I, I said, that guy's been attacked by a shark. Look at that. Well, we kind of finished our day at the beach, and a few days later, we were getting back on a plane. We were going back to the Philippines. Well, we had a layover somewhere. We were at the airport, and I got a Reader's Digest. I wanted to kind of read it, and sometimes I find interesting little stories in there, and, and uh, kind of helps pass the time when you're on those long flights over the Pacific. And so I grabbed that Reader's Digest. We board our plane. We get on the plane, and Dr. R, uh, I began to read that Reader's Digest, and I, I was thumbing through the, some of the stories in there, and, 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 and immediately something caught my eye. It was a story about a surfer who had been attacked by a shark. No, no joke. I began to read that story, and the picture right there on the front cover, it was that guy. That same guy. I began to read. I thought, no way. This can't be happening. And I read it, and it was talking about that very beach, that very exact spot where we were just a few days before. He was surfing there, and he was attacked by a great white shark. And uh, it told the whole story and all the gory details. Now, here's the reason why I'm sharing this with you. Because throughout the story, there were three of his buddies that were out there in the water when that attack happened that same day. They were there, and they were the ones that grabbed him and pulled him back in and, and, uh, and helped him. And they gave their eyewitness accounts in this story, and they told about the blood and all this stuff and how he was in shock and, and uh, all this stuff. And at the end of it, uh, the, the person who was doing the story asked these men, the three buddies of this guy who had been attacked by a shark, they said, now, do you still surf? And every single one of them said, no. We've not been surfing since. That attack happened in 2007. And uh, there was an article written about it in August of uh, 2007 in the San Jose Mercury News and told the whole thing. And these men said, no, we don't go surfing to this day. We just can't get the picture out of our mind. We're afraid of uh, a shark attack happening to us. But the guy who actually got attacked, he still surfs. Every day to this, I think to this day, but certainly to the day that I saw him, you know, as I can began to consider that and I got beyond just the shock of the coincidence of it all, I thought, you know what? It's kind of like this Christian life. The devil wants to attack us and sometimes he will attack us. He'll take a bite 
if you will, out of somebody's life. He'll injure us if he can. And yet some of us will continue, and some of us, when the devil begins to attack, he can get us to kind of go back on our commitment to the Lord. He can kind of get us to say, I don't know if this is all cut out for me. I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if this is what I want. I don't know if uh, this is really worth it. And sometimes he can get us to turn back from God's will because of those things. Those friends would represent the ones who go back and certainly Todd Endress, that was his name. He represents somebody who stayed faithful and passionate about something that was dear to him, even though he was injured while doing it. What kind of Christian will you be? Will you be the Todd Endress type of Christian that even though the devil may injure you, he may take some bites out of you from time to time, but you'll continue on? Why? Because Jesus is dear to you. God's will is something that is passionate in your heart. You've given your life to him. There's no turning back. Or will you allow the devil to kind of pull you off to the wayside and render you useless and ineffective in the work of God? I'm simply saying, Faith wins over intimidation, whatever that intimidation may be. Faith wins over injury. No matter how badly the devil may attack you or how uh, uh, difficult the onslaught of the world may be upon you, trust the Lord. And there's a fifth and final point, and we'll close with this. Not only does faith win over the impossible, faith wins over imperfection, faith wins over intimidation and injury, but the fifth point is this. Faith wins the invisible. Faith wins the invisible. Notice what the Bible says in the last two verses, verse 39 and 40. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. You see, one of the amazing things about these people is that these Old Testament saints did not have the complete word of God as we have it today. And yet their faith was unshakable. Their faith was real. Their faith was strong. They did not have the clear revelation of God's promised salvation accomplished like we have it today. We look back on what God has completed and finished, His finished work of redemption, the death, burial, and resurrection. These people only saw glimpses of it. They saw pictures and types of it. They looked forward to it, but it had not yet been completed yet. Yet by faith they were convinced of some invisible things. They were convinced of their eternal inheritance. You could go all the way back to the beginning of the chapter. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things... What's the next two words? Invisible. Faith wins the invisible. In Hebrews 11.13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed them, uh, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I'm simply saying this. They were looking forward to some invisible things. They could not tangibly uh, uh, view them and, and understand them, but, they, uh, but they, uh, they knew that they were real, and by faith they believed them, and by faith they set that as their goal, and they set God as their goal, and they were faithful, knowing that there were some blessings in store for them, knowing that there was an eternal inheritance, knowing that there was eternal life for them. And we have that same eternal inheritance today. And yet there are some promises that God has yet to fulfill 
fulfill. I simply am saying that faith wins the invisible. There are blessings that can only be obtained by faith. We could forfeit them if we don't walk by faith, but if you'll be faithful to God throughout this summer, if you'll love Him, if you'll grow in Him, if you'll serve Him, if you will engage and live out your faith, there will be some blessings that God has in store for your life. There are some souls that will only be saved through faith. If we have the faith to pray, if we have the faith to witness, if we have the faith to go, there are churches that will only be started if some of you will have the faith to follow God. There are, uh, uh, there are countries that can only be reached by faith. I'm simply saying this. Uh, uh, there are things that are invisible. In other words, they're not visible right now, but they can come to be a reality, but only through faith. What has God called you to do? How is God working in your life right now? How does this truth affect your life? When we see Jesus, nobody will say, I did too much. I had too much faith. Man, I could have done so many other things if I had not been so fanatical. I don't think Jesus is going to, when we stand before the Bema seat, he's not going to say, man, you, you, you did too much. You trusted me way too much. You didn't have to go that overboard. No, no, no. I think that every single one of us will stand before him and say, I should have done more. I think we'll all stand before him and say, I should have had more faith. I should have trusted him more. I should have followed him more. I should have known him more intimately. I should have surrendered to his will much more than I did. I should have obeyed the impulse of the Holy Spirit much more than I did. None of us will say we've done too much. Many of us will wish we had done more. How can we, how can we see the invisible that God has prepared for us? that God has in store for your life? How can we see blessings and souls saved and all these things? How can we see these invisible things? One day, we're going to see Jesus face to face. That's an invisible thing, wouldn't you say? Because we can't see that yet. We've never seen heaven. We don't know what it's like. It's invisible to us. We only get glimpses of it in the Word of God. But yet one day, our faith will be sight. We've never seen Jesus. In that, in that sense, it's, it's an invisible thing. But yet He's real. We love him. We know one day he's coming back. We'll see him face to face either by death or by rapture. But our faith will become sight. And there will be some rewards, some crowns that you can be awarded, that you can render back to Jesus in humble worship, but only by faith. Faith always wins. And the challenge to all of us is to live every moment of every day by faith.